From Yarm to Yibby, Harrington to Horsley Hill, Jingle, 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 Well to Silverlink, The Northeast Footy Breakfast, Jingle, with Roy, Steve, and Ted. Right across the Northeast, the red, the tune, and the cat. We had a few technicals, boys, so I pretended to be the Jingle Bells because it didn't pick the Christmas one. <laughs> Jingle. Oh, no. I, thought you were, I thought you were doing some kind of inappropriate impersonation. Quiet. Someone was out of school night. <laughs> Celebrating oh. the fact we've got Sunderland in the cup. Somebody was on the lash. Oh, what a draw. What a Look draw. at them. Look at them. They get Give one big the game and they think they're made for life. <laughs> First time since 1956, lads. First time since yes. 1956. Wow. And the last the time you played, what, 2016? 2016, Jermaine Defoe and Mitrovic, the scorers there, which is incredible to think back to the yeah. uh, two scores there in 2016. But what a draw. What a moment for old Rye. They can sit there with his popcorn, have a sit back and just watch you two Live it up. Yeah. Also at the stadium, a lights head as well. So you did get, you did get the the luck of it, I guess. You get all the 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 Geordies oh, up to. Uh, up to... <laughs> We're playing against a team that spent about three hundred million in transfers, mate. There's no luck involved with that. <laughs> I actually, I actually thought. I mean, I was I was out with Mrs. Ted yesterday when when the draw was taking place. And I honestly, Steve, I honestly thought you were winding me up. I had a message type saying, nice try, mate. You're not going to get me that easy. I, I, I just, I, I swear oh, to God, I had no. it typed out. I, I thought, oh, hang on. I'm just going to have a little Google and make sure. And then, obviously, you just see it and go, oh, my God. What were the chances? What were the chances? And then the winner plays yeah. Sunderland. The winner plays Borough in the next Sunderland. round. Oh, yeah, best. not wrong. Yeah. Once yeah, we, as we it, flog dispatch Villa, Villa yeah. yeah. yeah easy let's let's done, just yeah, enjoy your real derby for now, eh? Yeah. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If Newcastle beat you more than 4 0, you're in for a rough year, mate. All right? You're going to get over you by 4 0, like we did. The Omens are good for Sunderland oh. in the FA Cup, though. Yeah, the FA Cup record for Sunderland versus Newcastle is better for the Mackens, to be fair. Uh, you've got to go back 1901, 1902, lads, for the first one. 1 0 to Sunderland. The second one in 1908-1909 was a draw, but then Newcastle won 3-0. 1912 to 1913 was a draw 0-0. 1912-1913 draw 2-2. 1912-1913 were lost 3-0, so that went to three games. And then the final one, 1955-1956, Sunderland won 2-0. So the the, wow. the the history books are on Sunderland's side with the FA Cup. Nah, our records are there to be beaten, mate. Yeah. Record books are there to be scored. I had to really search hard to find out when we last actually played each other in the cup, and I mean, yeah, you, you, you're talking in excess of 60 years ago now. Like it's, it's, it's great, isn't it? Though I mean, it, it's, it's, it's given everybody it. a bit of a what buzz. A draw. Sunderland fans, some of us are dreading it. Some of us are kind of going, well, you know, we're being realists about it, and we're kind of going, all the pressures on Newcastle. At the end of the day, anything less than a, than a big win for Newcastle is is bad for them, really. Um, you know, you're talking about a, <laughs> we're not a setting up the excuses already, are we? We're preparing the pitch Absolutely for failure. Not. No, it's 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 been realistic. <laughs> it's been realistic. Any anything other than a massive win for Newcastle is failure for them. Be interesting to see what we I get. Just tickets wanna, wise. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Is how many? I think 
7,000 tickets mm. is what we should get, but it really, yeah. it really is at the discretion of Sunderland and probably Northumbria Police. What a I game it's going to be. Our friends yeah. in Ponteland will be probably th- having their head in their hands when that draw came out. Like, oh, they will <laughs> be, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's, I, I reckon you know maybe around about two, uh, two to three thousand is probably going to be the more realistic number that they're going to push for. Like, but you never know. Look, it's going to be an occasion, isn't it? It's going to be a full house. It is. It's going to be an absolute we- belt. I need you guys. I need you guys to, to bring me in. Bring me in from Australia, right? Because I'm obviously borough through and through. I've never really experienced a proper derby. We had the Yorkshire derby on the weekend. We got the Sunderland one, which was just too easy for us. But I just need to. I need to. I need to know. Well, all right? I got some questions, all right? Because I've got to get. I've got to get my homework done here. Because I'm going to be sitting down. Smoke I'm going to be on VAR. Whoop. Whoa. Whoa. He's on. He's on. He's on. He's on. He's He's on. 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 He's is that how type of, the type of rivalry we, we can expect from Sun? I mean, I, I can remember obviously growing up as a Borough fan and always hearing about them, but I never really tuned in because uh, I was obviously focused on Middlesbrough. I never really looked over sort of thing. I, I don't remember. I mean, the last one was 2016. And again, I still don't quite remember that. Obviously, Middlesbrough were in the Premier League that season as well. I don't remember it being too rough. It ended up in a one ill draw. But is it something that, yeah, you were talking about Northumbria Police and that give me a picture or, you know, either one of you to 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 the, the the nature of how bitter this rivalry is. Is it something that that brings out the worst of both sets of fans, or is it something that is just uh, you know just crosstown rivals sort of thing? It's just a Can minority, first, Steve. It's a minority thing, Ted, isn't it? Really, I mean, it's you know, yeah. like people like ourselves, we're football fans. We go at the match, we you know, we'll we'll shout and ball at each other and shout and ball at our team and support. But but ultimately, we go for the football. But there is a minority that that will will you know ultimately go for for something else. And for from my perspective, yeah. the the atmosphere is the atmosphere is electric. It it it's, yeah. it is the it is the derby that we all hope that we're going yeah. to get at some point. So for me personally. Um, I, I love going down to Sunderland, and I've been there through good times and bad times, and yep. it's 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 the best atmosphere. Um, at home, you make it a cauldron uh, with, with 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 all the songs, and and it's it's ninety minutes of singing really, and and yeah. uh, it, the game itself, the game itself really is it's it's not insignificant. It's just what happens on the pitch dictates what happens off the pitch, but it's. It, it's it's just it's so great the great occasions the build up for me a lot of people don't like the build up but but I enjoy the build up I enjoy that week where you find out who's going to be fit um you know there's you know recollections of great games gone by um you know the the the, the media and the the TV and the radio coverage is is great and it's it's just a special occasion because of the history that, mm. that's gone before it and for me personally. The, the the draw away from home is I I I love going down to Sunderland. It it, it is a great day because it's definitely a case of us against them. Newcastle have Newcastle have revelled in this whole, you know, backs against the wall kind of mentality. We've heard Eddie Howe talk about it in recent press conferences, and this this is another one of those situations where you you're going into the lion's den and and Newcastle you know Newcastle enjoy that kind of game. So for me, it's, but will it's, this new Newcastle? I'm I'm yeah. specifically now talking about the playing 
staff. Will yeah. this new Newcastle that's been in the Champions League, you've got Eddie Howe in charge, a lot of internationals there, will they still carry the same passion, fervour, rivalry into this one? Yes, there's no doubt about it. I mean, you know, the, the, you know, the, they will know how important this is. And you've got to bear in mind as well how many Geordies we've got in and around that dressing room. Um, not, mm. even players, not even players who play on a regular basis now, but the likes of Mark Gillespie, um, Paul Dummett, Sean Longstaff, uh, Elliot Anderson, uh, Lewis Miley. Th- these guys will be licking their lips at this game. They, they will be going round and telling the likes of... You know, Kieran Trippier, Sven Botman, um, you know, uh, Alexander Izak, they, they will be showing them the importance of this game. And that's what Newcastle get right behind the scenes. Um, it's, 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 you know, it, it's the history of the club. And even even our directors, uh, you know, well, they, they know the history. They, they play the game well on social media at times. You know, we've had we've had certain situations, obviously, recently where you know fans have questioned why me and Dad would put something out about the the atmosphere. But I'm sure that they'll play this one very very cutely as well. It's it's a huge occasion. It's great for the, it's great for the northeast. It's great for Newcastle. It really is. It's great for Sunderland, uh, and you know it's it's a it's great for the northeast footy bracket show because we've got the derby we wanted. I'm I'm still convinced we're going to get yeah. Middlesbrough in the Carabao Cup. I still think we're going to. I think our path they're going to cross in the semi-finals it's like the runners-up derby isn't it that's that's like when when you wanted a specific toy for Christmas but your mum and dad couldn't afford it so they got the crap version of it from Pound Stretcher Uh, am I right Ted am I right Ted though what I'm saying about the derby am I right 100% I mean it's look uh, Trippier, you, you mentioned Trippier there. Trippier's obviously used to a, a, a Tottenham Arsenal derby from his time in North London as well. You know, which which is a big derby for me. And I know I'm biased, uh, and I'm and I'm very very you know biased towards the northeast. There is not a bigger derby. I think the only derby that can compare on the British Isles to this for the level of intensity is the Glasgow one. Yeah, and I, it, mm. it is almost to that level of like of tribal mentality. You know, it's. Yeah. They talk about sort of Man United, Liverpool, things like that. Even the Manchester derby does not compare to this. This this is one of the, the just the hottest atmosphere you can ever imagine. I've I've been lucky enough to go to derbies at, at both stadiums uh, and experience, you know, that 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 tension. There is nothing like this game for me. It's as much as I and I was I was half joking in the message where I just said I'm just going to feel sick now until the sixth of January. <laughs> Yeah. It will just, you know, the, the nerves will churn away. You're looking at the squad going, well, God, you know, to all intents and purposes, we should be getting absolutely mullered here. But there's all, it's the cup, it's Sunderland. We, you know, we are the, the perennial underdogs in, in the FA Cup. 73 dictates that. There's just that outside chance of one of these young lads could make themselves an absolute club legend. And and that's that's what drives you on. It's, it's just a huge, huge opportunity for, for Sunderland to kind of, you know, remind everybody that we're still there because, you know, we've been outside the top flight for so long now and against, you know, top quality opposition like that, it's just going to be some occasion. And like Steve says, for, for us on the show, me and Steve won't shut up about this now until the game's actually played. Mm. It's, it's yeah. for all Steve's got, you know, Steve's going to have Champions League football to look forward to and, and mm. other games and Premier League games against top, top opposition but I know, Steve, deep down, you kind of be looking at that one fixture now going, yep, got my eye on you. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? I was going to ask that. I was going to, I was, you know, two two things. 
One thing's for certain, it'll be picked for TV because of the rivalry. It's got to oh, be. Yeah. Absolutely, it's got to be picked for TV. I think it'll be the early... Can I just paint you a picture just on that? Yeah, before before you go into that, Dave, I just want to show you. Like, so I got up this morning, all right? I woke up to Steve's, like, you know, voice message, and that, you know, got me going. You're in and the croaky one. School. Yeah, and then I got I got to I got to work. I sat down. Uh, my little my little offsetter bloke brought in the paper, bought me a coffee. I said, thanks, mate. Get out of my office. I'm too tired to deal with you. And then I, I read the paper, the, the Canberra Times, here in the local area. I flipped to the back page, and the headline is, Sunderland, Newcastle to rekindle their great rivalry. In the Canberra Times, my local paper, Jeez. not many people read, the back page of it, after everything that's happening in Australia, was Sunderland, Newcastle rekindling their great rivalry in the FA Cup. That was the back page of our newspaper today here down in Canberra, Australia. So just, show, just you know, you're talking about, you know, so go on, just showing you like that's the, that's the type of level that this yeah. sort of, you know, this pick, this, you know, this draw has yeah. made. Uh, in, in terms of headlines around the world. Yeah, so without doubt it's going to be a TV game. What, what were you saying there, um, Ted? Were you saying you think it's going to be the early game? Or was uh, that Steve? It looks like it's the sixth. No, it was me, yeah. I reckon it'll be the early game. It's it's scheduled for the sixth, I believe. Um, I reckon they'll get that out of the way with and, and do the 12 noon, so there's well, the a the less chance for the lads to get on the uh, on, on the, the lash. Day. Yeah, that was going to say, that was the other reason. The police will probably be asking for an early kickoff as well. Mm. Yeah. Um, so there's every chance that's going to happen. But the other thing is, is a day going to go past now, including Christmas Day, you know, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, when you guys are not going to be thinking about this game? Nah, you, nope. you're going to be thinking about it all the time, aren't you? It's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Even I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got course, my popcorn ready. I can't wait. I get to sit back and watch these two go at it for the next month. It's so good. I'm so happy. Oh, I can't wait. I, think, I, I think can't wait. Us, I think for us, right, it's it's not so much a case of like something wanting to get at it. It's kind of we've got the game back that the. the we always look for and we always want mm. to have. Yeah. We, we hate the build-up. We hate that, uh, you know, the 90 minutes just seems like it's forever. Um, but we all secretly want the derby back. And it's, it's. I'm just so excited. I am literally like a kid at Christmas now. I, I, I've just wanted to be match day. And of course, it's going to dominate our, our thoughts because it's, it's seven years since, you know, what is both yeah. clubs' biggest game. We haven't seen each other in the FA Cup since 1956, for goodness sake. I mean, like, yeah. we're talking things that don't happen maybe once or twice in your generation that we might, you know, in our lifetime, lads, of us three sitting here, we may never see another Newcastle Sunderland derby in the FA Cup. I mean, that's, you know, the, in the period of, of since this last Mad, happened. So it? it's incredible. It is. I've got to ask you, before we move on from this one, lads, I've got to ask you, I need someone to clear this up for me, right? So I've been trolling on the, on the social medias, right? I've seen Sunderland, who I thought was a fantastic tweet, after they came out, obviously saying that we've got Newcastle in the third round. The next tweet was, well then, with a sweating emoji. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I need to ask you, what is the referencing to Nissan and the rivalry between Sunderland? I have, I, and I'll just read you some of these tweets and someone, I just need to clear this up. So one tweet is, make sure that Nissan UK hasn't got a back shift on. We want everyone there, right? And then that is, so, and then you go across to Newcastle United who, uh, who didn't really have anything, any worries when the draw was seen. They just said, oh, yeah, by the way, we've got Sunderland in the FA Cup. So Newcastle, not too worried there. And then the first comment on that one is, into the six-fingered car manufacturers. 
Uh, so there's something to do with cars and Nissan. Please, somebody, can you bring me up so, to date if it's appropriate to do so? Yeah, I would like somebody to explain absolutely. the backshift as well because I've seen the backshift references. Yeah, yes. yeah. Well, well, just just to kind of put it into context, right? Um, Sunderland is the the biggest Nissan production site, as th- definitely in Europe, possibly one of the biggest ones in the world, I believe. Um, so yeah, most Nissan cars are produced in Sunderland. So as you can imagine, with uh, something, I mean, the, the place is the size of a town, mate. It's got its own social club. It's got its own sports clubs. It's it is like a, a town all of its own. Um, so, as you can imagine, with something, an operation that size, you're talking thousands and thousands in the workforce. Uh, and, of course, a lot of them, because it's, it's Sunderland, uh, a lot of them will be Sunderland season ticket holders, Sunderland fans, all that kind of thing. So, the danger is, if they put a back shift on, i.e. an extra shift or an early shift, whatever you like, um, basically that runs the risk of a lot of Sunderland fans not being able to get to the game. Um, ah, and, and there okay. is a contentious relationship between Sunderland and Nissan because where Nissan is built, we should have technically had our stadium there. Um, there, there was a big sort of a big argument about uh, Nissan wouldn't let the land go unless it was for some silly money, I believe. Um, and yes, yeah, so there's always been a little bit of needle between Nissan and Sunderland. But um, yeah, there you go. In in a nutshell, that's what it is, mate. I mean, Newcastle there fans keep chucking this whole backshift thing at, at Sunderland because I think it was mentioned when I think it was, was the a game on TV where there was you know a lot of empty seats and always towards the front as well, and, and somebody mentioned backshift in Nissan. So Newcastle fans keep chucking that at Sunderland fans online, I think as well. Oh, they must have been on backshift. So <laughs> it's, it's it's one of those things. It's a bit of banter. It's a bit of Twitter banter. Love it. Almost as much okay. as Steve's croaky voice this morning. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> I do love it. I do I love it. Two days, I thought we had Chris Rea. Two, two, two days on the drink, lad. It's not big and it's not clever. <laughs> I hope he isn't driving home. <laughs> Go into this, please, Mr. Wraith. <laughs> well, lads, we've come up with some headlines today. Oh, poor old Steve. We're going to take care of him. We're going to get Ted on the trumpet very soon to blow... Uh, a good tune out for Steve as, he, uh, as that we caress him. Don't pause there. <laughs> We're gonna get that. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about. Obviously, Newcastle had a good win over Man United over the weekend. Sunderland having a draw with Millwall after a late penalty to Jack Clark, and Middlesbrough losing to Leeds, but losing more than just the loss with three more players going down to injury or suspension. So a little bit to talk about with those three games over the weekend. We've obviously spoken about the FA Cup. We need to get that out of the way straight up because it's uh, it's very interesting uh, to see that. And just good to have that as well to, for the, the Northeast Radio Brecky Show. We're going to talk about uh, Sheffield United boss Paul Heckenbottom who is blaming the club uh, for their financial decisions rather than their football decisions and the reason that they're now last in the Premier League. We're going to talk about Erling Haaland coming out and talking about referees on social media uh, and criticising them. Is it the same thing as what we saw from Arteta when it's just a simple tweet? And we're also going to talk about Stevie Bruce. St- uh, a couple of Steves here in the in the thing this morning. Stevie Bruce has come out and he's putting himself in front for jobs as well. We've also got a special guest, oh, special Jeff, a special guest uh, just <laughs> after the 8 a.m. At quarter past eight, we'll have the wonderful Craig Johns from the uh, Borough Gazette on. He'll be our special guest this morning, chatting, chatting to him, everything at Middlesbrough, uh, and getting an update on all those injuries that Middlesbrough now face with 11 first-team players out, a full team 
uh, of first team players now out for Middlesbrough for the game against Ipswich, who are in second this weekend. So a great time to talk to Craig. He's the man that makes uh, Michael Carrick laugh in all those press conferences and a very, very good Borough fan. So big show for you today on and? the Northeast Brecky Show. And? 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 Do, do we have and? Melly? Did, did, did Melly, is Melly oh, coming Melly. on? Well, I, I'm not the producer, so I'm not sure if anyone's contacted him. Is he still alive? Did anybody ask him to come on today? No idea. He had to dig his car out on Friday. <laughs> no idea. Well, he was he was teed up, I think. So I think if you get onto him, we probably come on. I, I'm pretty sure he won't avoid it. Like, all right then. Okay, let's get him on then. But let's I haven't, I haven't, I haven't contacted him since Saturday. That's because you've been on the last all weekend, mate. We can I have mate, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think it's time to do some headlines. Who are we going to start with? It uh, is. Not me. Bring not it me. Over. Yeah, not Here we go. Smoggies and over. proud. Borough News. Good morning, Borough fans. Happy Monday morning. I hope you're all fantastic, safe and well. Let's get this out of the way, first and foremost. One, we didn't deserve to lose. Uh, we didn't lose. It's a fake news uh, and the draw uh, is rough. Uh, so let's just get that out of the way. Middlesbrough will not only be counting the defeat to Leeds on Saturday as a nightmare scenario, now hits the Borough with three more players unavailable for the Ipswich Town, who are second this weekend. During the match, Izzy Jones picked up his fifth yellow of the season, making him unavailable. Anthony Jigsteel was red carded after receiving two yellows and Paddy McNair was substituted early in the first half with what to look be a lower back issue. The carnage from the weekend now leaves Borough with 11 first team players unavailable and no recognised right back. Borough put in a spirited display on the weekend against arguably one of the promotion favourites in Leeds with another makeshift squad. Latte last double gives Carrick hope as he and his squad continue to be tested by injuries and suspensions. Borough have also uh, sent out inquiries to Rye uh, from Australia to see if he can fly over and play right back, which I've actually said yes. Middlesbrough will be handed a Premier League test as well as the high-flying Aston Villa will make the journey to Teesside next month in the FA Cup third round. With Borough also still in the Carabao Cup, Villa's visit to the Riverside Stadium could well be the first of back-to-back games against Premier League sides as Michael Carrick's side look to burke their place in the semi-finals of that competition. And just finally, the links are now starting to roll in for the January transfer window as Borough have been now linked with Liam Creswell from Leeds and Joe Worrell from Nottingham Forest. Both centre-backs who are still young in their development, the links are showing that the need for Borough to go into the defensive reinforcements market come January as all those injuries and suspensions are starting to rile up. Middlesbrough coming off a bad defeat to Leeds. Spirit to display though, 11 players out through injury or suspension. It's getting a little bit tough here for the Borough, but we're still together. United always up the Borough. That is your Monday headlines. Mackhams and Proud. Black Cats News. Good morning, Sunderland fans. Not sure if you've heard about this, but Sunderland FC will host Newcastle United in the third round of the Emirates FA Cup. The tie will be played over the weekend of the 6th to 7th of January, although it's initially scheduled for the 6th, in what will be the first weird time derby since 2016, with Sunderland last tasting derby day defeat even further back than that 11 years ago in 2012. The club of stated ticketing information will be released in due course, but naturally it's widely expected to be a sellout crowd in what is a welcome return to one of the biggest derbies in football. Speculation is once again growing that Ahmad Diallo could be returning to the Black Cats for a second loan stint. The highly rated Ivorian winger caught the eye at Sunderland last season. He hit 14 goals for the Black Cats as they made their way into the Championship playoffs. The intention was for him to stake a claim for a regular game time at Old Trafford in 23-24, However, Ahmad suffered a knee injury in pre-season and has not been seen since. 
When questioned about the rumours, Tony Mowbray remained coy and stated, I don't think he'd be available for the whole of January. Let's see what the club are thinking of how we are doing by then. And finally, Tony Mowbray felt his side dominated from start to finish against Millwall in Saturday's one-all draw. The Black Cats were forced to come in from behind to earn a point at the den after Kevin Nisbet had given Millwall a half-time lead. Jack Clark's second-half penalties, 10th goal of the season, secured a point for Mowbray's men. We dominated the game from start to finish apart from the last 10 minutes, said Mowbray. We don't look like we are going to score a goal, but we can control a game. Their isolated breakaways were okay, that's what they can do. We dominated for long spells without looking like we were going to score. Sunderland fans will be hoping the players do find their shooting boots ahead of this weekend's visit of fellow playoff hopefuls and lovers of wage bill bailout loans West Brom on Saturday. And that's your Sunderland headlines. Magpies and Proud, Mags News. Good morning, Newcastle United fans. Well, Newcastle United won, Manchester United nil. Probably the most one-sided game against Manchester United that I have seen in my time supporting Newcastle. But a 55th minute close-range effort from Anthony Gordon deservedly gave the Magpies their sixth successive Premier League home victory on Saturday night. Uh, that, though, came with a consequence. Newcastle's injury wars have continued when goalkeeper Nick Pope was led from the field late on with a shoulder problem after landing awkwardly. Eddie Howe will wait for a professional diagnosis, but the future looks bleak for Newcastle United's number one. And as Ted has already mentioned, Newcastle will make the short trip to their Wearside foes in the third round of this season's FA Cup over the weekend of January the 6th next year. Tony Mowbray's side are ninth in the championship at the minute, 19 points off the top spot. They've lost four times in nine home league games. Can they turn their form around before Newcastle visit in January? We will wait and see. Newcastle, of course, occupy sixth place in the Premier League and are seven points behind the leaders. It's going to be the first time we had derby in the competition since the quarter-final in 1956. And Newcastle United fans will be chomping at the bit to get tickets. We are estimated to get 7,000 tickets for this particular game, but we'll have to wait and see what the uh, Northumbria police say about that. But that is in Newcastle United headlines this Monday morning. Ted, Rye and Steve, the North East Footy Breakfast. Right across the North the roads, the cows and the tears. Oh, me finger button pressing's working, fellas. I'm on it. I'm on it. Oh, You're on the ball for a Monday go. morning. Look at you go. I'm very proud of you, Radio Dad. It's good to see you after what was a rough weekend for the borough. Let's get it out of the way. Middlesbrough going down in the Yorkshire Derby, 3-2 in what we'll be clicking our wounds to say so, Dave, uh, coming away out of the game, obviously, with a 3-2 loss in what was a game of one half. Literally, the second half didn't need to be played. It was all sorted out within 10 minutes, this game. Uh, we had a goal from Latte last within the third minute. Uh, by the 10-minute mark, Leeds were back 2-1 in front. By the 25th mark, at 25th mark, it was 3-1 to Leeds. By the 40-minute mark, it was then 3-2, and that's the way it would stay for the rest of the match. Uh, the, the the thing that has uh, taken Middlesbrough now by, I guess, uh, a, a, what hurting is is the injuries and suspensions starting to rack up to a, to a really ungodly level. We now have 11 first-team players out through injury or suspension. It could possibly be 12. Uh, little do we know. We'll find out uh, when Mar- Michael Carrick gets into his presser later this week. Obviously, seeing the likes of Anthony Jicksteel, who was red-carded after picking up two yellows within that game, Paddy McNair coming off in the 25th minute mark uh, with what looked to be a lower back injury and Izzy Jones getting his fifth yellow of the season. 
makes him unavailable for in the game against, you guessed it, the team in second this weekend, Ipswich Town. So Borough not uh, having the nicest starts to December as we take on some of the top six in the championship. But with a makeshift squad, uh, the spirit to display is always just so heartwarming. And the Leeds boss... Daniel Farquhar, as I be careful with how I pronounce that, because I yes. got him monetized for you, that. Yeah, you uh, got into trouble at the weekend. Yeah, yes. I did. I did. YouTube, YouTube slammed me for that one. Uh, so I, I, he said what was one of the best sides he's put, uh, played against in the championship. He said the way Middlesbrough attack and the way Middlesbrough move the ball was something that he thinks will put us in a playoff contention. Uh, and he thinks it was unlucky that we didn't get anything from the game, considering Josh Coburn hitting the post later in the game. Dave, I'll switch to you first. Uh, you would have been obviously watching that one with great angst uh, like I was. It was a game of ups and downs, mainly downs, I would say. But the big thing coming out of that is the loss of three more players going into Ipswich Town where it looks like you and I are going to have to kid up, mate. Yeah, uh, I'm already losing weight and got out. I'm out in the streets running, mate. Just, you know, get a bit of fitness before <laughs> we pull the boots on against Ipswich. That's um, it. Yep. Do you know what? It was really weird because I feared a good battering in that game. I really did. I feared we I, I we went one up and I'm thinking, oh, if we can hang on to this for 20 minutes then. And I didn't even finish the thought and it was 1-1. One, one. It's like, oh, here we go. 2-1. Oh, no. 3-1. Mm. Okay, let's, you know, let's yeah. just limit the damage, guys. Wrap it up. <laughs> because a 5-1, one, 6-1 one would, be, would be devastating. Um, and that's what I was fearing. And then uh, when the smallest man on the pitch, uh, Rose, leapt like a salmon um, to head that corner in, I'm thinking, 3-2? No, surely not. Um, and then when we hit the post late in the second half and it came straight back out, I'm thinking, ah. So I, I was left... I was left fearful of a good drubbing. Then there was there was a bit of hope crept in. Uh, and in the end, it was 3-2. I, I felt disappointed we didn't get something out of it. And I know Carrick said exactly the same after the game. He was disappointed we didn't actually win the game. Um, and when you bear in mind the patched-up squad that we've got at the moment, um, I just thought it was... You know, I'm not left deflated. I'm not left disappointed other than it was an opportunity. It turned out to be one of those games where there was an opportunity to bring something back from Leeds. But do you know what? I'm, I'm pleased we lost 3-2 to Leeds than, than losing to a Preston or a West Brom or a Hull or any of those teams that we're going to be fighting with for the remaining places in the, uh, in the playoffs. So not too much damage done. Uh, go to you, Ted. Obviously, championship. We'll get into Sunderland Millwall as well. You would have had your eyes firmly fixed on that. But uh, the scoreline obviously uh, <laughs> painted a pretty picture for you uh, in the in our little group after the game. Um, chaos for the borough. Injuries racking up. Um, what did you make of the defeat to Lee? Well, I mean, I don't think you should really ask for my opinion because if you remember to those dewy slopes of Friday morning, I said, yeah, it's going to be a nil-nil. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and within within seven minutes I just looked like like clueless you know what I mean I was actually late I, I, I drove from from my village uh, I, I drove towards Ironapa to go and watch uh, go and watch multiple games in this pub that we all congregate in so you know that's where Chef Wedkev lives and you know Charlie the Geordie and everybody's watching their own individual games and we have a good bit of crack and I was I was about like I say it was about 10-12 minutes late for kickoff. just had a few things to do and I got there and I was like so, was, so you know I was listening to my game okay yeah I goes, so I leaned across and went oh what's, what's the Burris score how are they doing it was <laughs> like it's 2-1 I'm going 
I'm not going to side late. You know, it was just <laughs> incredible. But um, what an entertaining game. I mean, you know, result aside for Bury, you know, it's it's obviously it's made you drop a few places, mind that gap. Um, but equal uh, points. Yeah, <laughs> you're still below us. Um, <laughs> you're still top of the bottom. Anyway, um, <laughs> so yeah, it, what an advert for the championship, guys! Because that had absolutely everything. It had the sending off. It had it had goals. It had a penalty. Um, referee mistakes. Think disgrace themselves. Mm. Nah, it had so many. It had referee uh, No, no, it had oh, referee mistakes, indeed. and we didn't hold up the game for six minutes. To look at the far end of a hat to um, to see if somebody's toenail was offside. It was great. I love that about mm. it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, it was it was a, a an, an honest, good old uh, ding dong of a match. To be honest, I, I watched the highlights back. You certainly haven't disgraced yourselves, and, and like you say, with with eleven out injured now, who you would say, you know, if not first team, certainly pushing for a starting place. Um, to go against Leeds, that's that's not a disgrace. And I think, you know, I, I'm sure the Carrick will be sort of speaking to his younger players as well, and and being positive with them about what they can what they can achieve. You're talking about a Leeds side that's still, you know, pretty much about about 75 to 80 percent Premier League players, yeah. and you know, capable of doing that. Uh, Daniel James, for one, I mean, absolute cracking talent. Um, Boy, he tore us up. He tore us up. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's some talent, that Until lad. he got um, launched into yeah. Rose Z. Yeah, yeah, that was, yeah, that was true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, there was that. Was between him and Somerville, <laughs> it was crazy. that The talent that Leeds have was just, you know, it's, it's evident, isn't it? When uh, when you come up against a Premier League team, I didn't really see it with Southampton, and that's no disrespect to Southampton. Uh, that was, the you know, the other relegated team we've only faced so far. We haven't, fa- um, we obviously Leicester as well, but we beat them yeah. as well. But Leeds were the first team that I thought, wow, this has got some Premier League talent in there with Somerville. Dan James down the right as well. Uh, they were just, you know, they're real big threats. And that Joe Perot, we know him well from Swansea days as well. He's a very good player. Yes. Uh, so Great they've got side. a very good team. And I, I don't think I don't think Leeds are going to be far off come the end of the season. That's for sure. You need those. Uh, we you are need late those for the sports headlines. The back, there was, we uh, we before we, we do sports, sports headlines, headlines, before we do the sports headlines, I'm just pleased about one thing. I mean, as ridiculous mm. as that haircut haircut was for Patrick Bamford, oh. he was he was he was missing in the game. We didn't even see him. No. He didn't get a sniff. So happy, How happy about that. How did you see him? He was the brightest thing out there, and we're talking floodlights were out there. Man. The man had the most bleached hair I have ever seen in my life, and I grew up loving Eminem. You know what I mean? He was. <laughs> I don't know what bet that was, Patrick Bamford. And I know you're an avid listener of the show, but my goodness, mate, go back to the barber and get your money back because you looked. Hideous! Oh my God! Picture a walking lighthouse uh, with the brightest blonde hair. I mean, the, the, I think the idea was that when he goes on to goal, because the man hasn't scored in a couple of months now, when he runs at goalkeepers, the shine from the floodlights off his head into the goalkeeper's eyes has got to be looked into. If it was in the Premier League, that VAR at 100%. It was absolutely blinding, was Patrick Bamford's head, uh, and I'll never forget it. It was incredible. Nice to know what you think, mate. Nice to know what you think. Thank you. <laughs> time time for the sports headlines. We're late. Ah, Robbie Williams, Brian Adams. 
Christmas. Doesn't it, put you, doesn't it put you in the Hang spirit? On. Unless you're Steve, of Classic. course. Doesn't it? Still suffering from a bit of a hangover. Is that another spirit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't mention spirits, lads. Uh, <laughs> 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 Love it. <laughs> Well, good morning, Northeast. Uh, it is your Northeast Breakfast Show with me, Rai, Ted the Mackham, and Steve, the hungover Geordie, who had a good win on the weekend. Uh, we're going to talk Sunderland Millwall in the next hour. We've also got special guest Craig Johns coming on in about T minus four, nine minutes. Nine minutes' time, we'll have Craig Johns. You'd be we'll no good at Houston, would you? No, no, I know. <laughs> count down. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fire the Jets now. Get it out. Uh, so that's how I'd count it down. But yeah, uh, yeah, Houston, we're heading towards Venus. <laughs> <laughs> Another good hour. <laughs> Let's get into your club headlines uh, for the three teams. All right, then. Smoggies and Proud. Borough News. Good morning, Middlesbrough fans. Unfortunately, the loss on the weekend to the Leeds United is not only the nightmare scenario that now faces the borough. With three more players unavailable now for Ipswich Town, who are second it doesn't get any easier for Middlesbrough. During the match, Izzy Jones picked up his fifth yellow of the season, making him unavailable. Anthony Jicksteel was red-carded after receiving two yellows. And Paddy McNair was substituted early in the first half with what looked to be a lower back issue. The carnage from the weekend now leaves Borough with 11 first-team players unavailable and no recognised right-back. Borough still, though, put in a spirited display on the weekend against arguably one of the promotion favourites in Leeds. With another makeshift squad, Latte Last Double gave Carrick hope as he and his squad continue to be tested by injuries and suspensions. Borough have now been asked to fly right out from Australia to play right back, which I'm going to do. Middlesbrough have been handed a Premier League test as well, as high-flying Aston Villa will be making the journey to Teesside next month in the FA Cup third round. With Borough also still in the Carabao Cup, Villa's visit to the Riverside Stadium could well be the first of back-to-back games against Premier League sides as Michael Carrick's side look to book their place in the semi-finals of that competition. And just finally, Lynx is starting to roll in hot and thick for the January transfer window as Borough have been linked with Liam Creswell from Leeds and Joe Worrell from Nottingham Forest. Both centre-backs who are still young in their development, the Lynx show the need for Borough come January will be that of defensive reinforcements. Looking for a big January transfer window to maybe uh, supplement those 11 first-team players out now for the Borough. On to Ipswich though, Borough fans. We always go uh, and believe that the Borough are going to get a result. I still believe we're going to get a result, even with the injuries and the suspensions. Up the Borough, as always. That is your Borough headlines. Mackhams and Proud. Black Cats News. Good morning, Sunderland fans. Sunderland AFC will host Newcastle United in the third round of the Emirates FA Cup. The tie will be played over the weekend of the 6th to the 7th of January. The game's actually initially scheduled for the 6th in what will be the first Weertine derby since 2016, with Sunderland, of course, last tasting derby defeat even further back than that 11 years ago in 2012. The club have stated ticketing information will be released in due course, but naturally it's already widely expected to be a sellout crowd and was a welcome return to one of the biggest derbies in football. Speculation is once again growing that Ahmad Diallo could be returning to the Black Cats for a second loan stint. The highly rated Ivorian winger caught the eye at Sunderland last season, hitting 14 goals for the Black Cats as they made their way into the Championship playoffs. The intention was to stake a claim for regular game time at Old Trafford in 2023 and 24. However, Ahmad suffered a knee injury in pre-season and has not been seen since. 
When questioned about the rumours, Tony Mowbray re remained coy and stated, I don't think he'd be available for the whole of January. Let's see what the club are thinking of how we are doing by then. And finally, Tony Mowbray felt his side dominated from start to finish against Millwall in Saturday's one-all draw. The Black Cats were forced to come from behind to earn a point at the den after Kevin Nisbet had given Millwall a half-time lead. Jack Clark's second-half penalty, his 10th goal of the season, secured a point for Mowbray's men. We dominated the game from start to finish apart from the last 10 minutes, said Mowbray. We don't look like we're going to score a goal, but we can control the game. Their isolated breakaways were okay, that's what they can do. We dominated for long spells without looking like we were going to score. Sunderland fans, of course, will be hoping the players do find their shooting boots ahead of this weekend's visit of fellow playoff hopefuls and lovers of wage bill bailout loans, West Bromwich Albion, on Saturday. That's your Sunderland headlines. Magpies and Proud. Mags News. Good morning, Newcastle United fans. Newcastle beat Manchester United 1-0 on Saturday to go sixth in the Premier League. A 55th-minute close-range effort from Anthony Gordon deservedly gave the Magpies their sixth successive Premier League home victory on Saturday night. Newcastle's injury woes continued when goalkeeper Nick Pope was led from the field late on with a shoulder problem after landing awkwardly. Eddie Howe will wait for a professional diagnosis, but the future looks bleak for Newcastle United's number one. And Newcastle will make the short trip to Sunderland in the third round of this season's FA Cup over the weekend of January the 6th of 2024. This will be the first Tynham Weir derby in the competition since a quarter-final tie in 1956. Newcastle are hoping for a ticket allocation of around 7,000. And on loan magpie Harrison Ashby has returned to Tyneside for further assessment of a hamstring issue that has affected his availability for Swansea City. The 22-year-old defender made a season-long switch to the championship side and has played 11 league games with 10 starts, but he limped off in the early stages of last weekend's 2-2 home draw against Hull City. That's your Newcastle United headlines on Monday morning. Ted, Rye and Steve, the North East Footy Breakfast. Right across the North East, the roads, the cat and the town. All right, we will have special guest Craig Johns on very shortly, but we have to cover one more match from the North East over the weekend, which was Sunderland versus Millwall. Uh, Ted, obviously watching that game in Juhase, you would have been worried uh, when Millwall went up first, uh, but then obviously Sunderland able to find an equaliser through Jack Clark in a penalty late in the second half. Uh, nervy moments for me uh, watching on and, uh, and watching the highlights. I could see a decent performance there uh, from Sunderland, uh, but obviously still lacking that just that genuine goal threat, mate. Yeah, I, I think that's a very neat uh, summary of the, the situation, right? I, I, most, uh, Mason Burstow got a, a start up front on his own and was still persevering with this playing one striker on their own and he huffed and puffed I don't think he did much for me um, the, you know there, there was nothing there for me that, that I hadn't seen from, from other strikers that have been played on that position but Tony Mowbray has already sort of uh, you know alluded to the fact that not only did we not look like scoring apart from obviously Clark getting that penalty um but he's saying that now he's he's actually saying that the strikers aren't ready that we've got these they're not ready for championship football, which uh -oh. one is a problem when you when your head coach is saying that, and two is a problem <laughs> when recruitment has allowed that situation to happen. 
We'll come back to that though. The game itself, um, I, I called it again in terms of the changes. Job was actually Job Bellingham was rested for the game. Uh, he didn't even come on a sub, to be honest. So we had a, a midfield of Alshish, uh, Dan Neil, and Pierre Equa. The wings, obviously, Jack Clark's got to play. He's, he's the best player at the club. But Patrick Roberts was actually dropped as well, and uh, Abdullah Bar came into his place on the right wing. Um, Abdullah Bar is one of them I think he makes an impact as a substitute but as far as the starting player is concerned I don't think he's there yet uh, he's, he's still a bit of a, a one trick pony there's a few too many step overs it's the same old situation where we don't get crosses whipped into the box where somebody can potentially get their head on it um, you know Mason Burstow is no small lad he's about 6'1", 6'2 use him you know let, let's try and whip crosses in rather than these little pullbacks and just Almost passing the ball like you know a bit of a daisy cutter along the goal line. It's just it's not happening. You know we, the fans can see it's not happening. The players should be able to see it as well. So that looked a bit flat going up front. Um, at the back, pretty much as as we would have expected to see it. Um, Patterson in goal, he, he couldn't do anything about the goal. The the fullbacks actually played a decent game. Um, I like the way that Hume and Huggins actually they both do this thing with what modern fullbacks love to do is where they start and tuck into midfield uh, and, and they look very very comfortable doing that I thought the, the fullbacks actually had a, a pretty good game Dan Ballard um, big physical presence he, obviously a bit of a, a, a return for him because he was on loan at Millwall when he was an Arsenal player so he, he put up a decent show as well but Luke 9 once again, and I'm 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 sick of saying it now. Out of position for the goal, completely out of position for it. And if you look at the last five games where we've conceded, you know there's not been an incident where he hasn't been positionally completely wrong. Um, that needs to change. And and you know if Mowbray is still in charge by January, then then you know that that's something that needs to be addressed. I think. And the reason I'm saying that, lads, and uh, it's just a chance for, for Dave to cue the uh, <laughs> cue the, the recording, um, is is Mowbray just sounds absolutely miserable and absolutely dejected. And I'm now starting to wonder: is there something wrong? Is there something that we're not aware of at the club? Because he just sounds completely defeated. Should we have a listen to him? Yeah, let's have a listen. This is Mogger after Millwall. Very similar to the performances of recent weeks, I think. Um, a lot of domination of the ball, a lot of control. Not really looking like we're going to score. Um, but, you know, eventually uh, some real positive play from Jack. Won the penalty and he stuck it in. So, um, yeah, pretty similar to what we've been doing, I think. Um, I, I felt as if you know we totally dominated them for long, long, long spells. I'm just told them there that my most biggest disappointment is we go one all, and we should be like the Alamo to their goal really for that last ten minutes, and yet it turned the other way. We sort of stepped off the gas. We give them opportunities. We, you know, it was a naivety really, and yet, um, yeah. I'm personally disappointed we didn't take three points. I thought we'd come here and win today, but I, I thought we'd go to Plymouth and win, and I thought we'd easily beat Huddersfield. It's no easy games, and um, to come to Millwall with this environment, um, we have to take a point. It shows good character being a goal down, again, totally against the run of play, it, um, to make sure we didn't lose. Sounds like it's left him scratching his head, that one. Yeah, yeah, not wrong. Yeah, I think I, he's I think so uh, well. he's starting to feel the pain. You're breaking a good man in Mogger there, you uh, uh, Sunderland. I think with their uh, their offensive woes, if you will, and it's just incredible for me is that the importance of Jack Clark. And now all the rumours are that Jack Clark might be leaving come January, but just to have a look at this, 
The goal scoring charts for Sunderland reads as Jack Clark on 10 now for the season. Next closest yep. is Dan Neal on three. Now we go yep. across to their assist panel now as well. And we have a look at Jack Clark again, who's created 46 chances for Sunderland. The next closest is again, Dan Neal on 22. I mean, such is the importance of Jack Clark in that Sunderland team at the moment that Olga just be, must just be worried sick that Jack might be leaving come January and that you'll be looking for reinforcements there, but you really are in need of a top striker come January, Ted. Oh. So, uh, yeah, look, it's going to be, um, going to be, you know, a, a good old slog, uh, getting up to there because at the moment it's just the goals that just seem to be letting you down a bit. It's quite a few clubs need, in need of a top, yeah. top striker. I'm telling yeah. you, Borough could do with yeah. one as well. Yeah. Not wrong. Yeah, not wrong. But, and speaking of Borough, we got Craig just- Johns. We got Craig Johns, the amazing Gazette reporter, my good friend, uh, the most intelligent writer I have seen that writes only about the best club in the world. Good morning to you. Not Mr. another Rye Love Fest. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> morning, morning hey, fellas. How are we good doing? Good morning, mate. Morning. How are we it's doing? Are we all on, right? Mate. Thanks for joining us. Well, we've got yeah, one, really one who's well. hungover from a Newcastle result. weekend. We've got one who's a bit flat because Mogger's flat. And you've got us two lunatics <laughs> who actually are trying to pick the bones out of that Leeds performance. But there you go. <laughs> it was uh, it was some game, wasn't it? Wow. I mean, uh, I could I didn't get a chance to breathe for the first 10, 20 minutes or so. Oh. It, was, uh, it was absolutely incredible. I had a, a workman at my house. I had a workman at my house, and um, and he was saying, uh, "Oh, uh, what do you want to do with this bathroom, mate? Can you come and have a look at this?" I'm thinking the game's just kicking off. Don't you know, don't pull me away now from the game. And uh, went upstairs and I chat with him. Came down. And it's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? It's incredible, wasn't it? It's incredible. I mean, the first three minutes, Craig, I'm sitting there, Latte last put one in. I'm like, hang on a second. We're not going to do this again, are we, with a makeshift squad? I don't know. Four minutes later, we'd be all back into uh, Leeds being in front 2-1. Uh, and then it was pretty much all over when uh, Joe put in that penalty. Uh, but the big story for me, well, not the big story, the big issue, I guess, for me coming out of that game, mate, was the three more boys that are now going to miss Ipswich. We lost Izzy Jones to his fifth yellow for the season. We lost Jick Steele, who obviously got the second yellow, then red carded. And Paddy McNair coming off with looked like a bad back, lower back injury. Is Borough just going to be uh, getting you and me, to, me, you and me and Dave to come out on the weekend and play for Ipswich, mate? Play against Ipswich? <laughs> they, might, they might need to, mate. The air, it's, uh, <laughs> it's getting a bit desperate, isn't it? I mean, you know, they, they've got injuries right through the squad. I think, obviously, we're a bit uncertain about how Paddy's going to be and, and Deal Fry and Hayden Hackney were still a bit uncertain on in terms of the severity of their injuries. But... You know, you look and there's, there's going to be 10 players unavailable and it just all seems to centre around the kind of the right side of defence. Obviously, you know, you finished that game, we finished that game or at least, you know, from 36 minutes onwards, you, you sent the back pair and we're 19-year-old Rav Vandenberg and, and Matt Clark, who was, has played nine minutes of competitive football before that after a year out. Um, uh, to be fair to Matt Clark, I thought, you know, after giving away quite a clumsy penalty within seconds of being on the pitch, which, you know, you can probably understand that he was a bit rusty at that point. Um, after that, I thought he grew into the game and he did really, really well. Uh, you know, Burrow went down to 10 men, obviously, in the second half and uh, and, and the court with it really well. I thought he defended a lot of crosses really well and uh, and he looked okay. But, yeah, you're looking at it now, obviously, Dykesdale's going to be suspended. Um 
Rav van den Berg might have been a right-back option, but he's going to have to play centre-back. Isaiah Jones might have been a right-back option, but he's suspended as well. If you put Johnny House into right-back, he's played there before. Who plays centre-midfield if Hayden Hackney's not back because Lewis O'Brien's injured as well? You're looking now and this is going to be like against Ipswich of all teams as well, by the way. Not exactly an easy task, is it? But it's going to be yeah. such a makeshift team by the looks of it. It uh, is bare-bones, isn't it? Is it? it really is bare-bones. scary. Yeah, we're getting to the dire straits now here. But I just wanted to ask you as well, obviously you're the main man in the... Uh, in the press conference, obviously talking to Michael, I obviously do my own press conference, Craig. I think you've seen that. I fly over for, a, for one nighter and sit down with Michael and ask my own questions. Uh, but I just wanted to ask you, obviously, when you are sitting there talking to Michael, he seems very nonchalant for me when it comes to injuries. He doesn't like to give too much away. Uh, and I love the question for Lewis O'Brien in the last press conference when you were asking about Lewis O'Brien. And he said, well, I'm not going to tell you anything because you'll be asking me each day is he coming back. And it was a bit of a bit of a joke there. But... It is funny how Michael Carrick, with so many injuries, still seems to just hold so much, holds the cards so close to his chest. I mean, me being the biggest Riley McGree fan in the world, I just want to know when is he coming back. But uh, we still just have no uncertain um, dates or timeframes on, on any of the injuries, really, do we? No, it's it's a very strange one, really. I mean, th- there's the aspect of which I think he goes down in terms of not giving too much away. So, you know, he's not yeah. really told as much about, as we say, when, when Dale Fry and, and Hayden Hackney might be back. And there's, you know, there's the kind of thinking that perhaps that means, you know, at one point they will just end up being either in the starting lineup or more likely mm. on the bench and, and and that will be, you know, unexpected to the opposition who wouldn't have prepared for, for those players being in the team. But uh, particularly with the longer term ones, I mean, you know, we've had Tommy Smith and Daryl Lenahan this season who uh, have both been injured, you know, for where their season's effectively over. And yeah, I appreciate with Daryl Ennehan that initially there was the hope that it wasn't yeah. season over and it wouldn't require surgery, but in the end it did. But you just think, which particularly with those ones, you think, you know, it doesn't really hurt to just say, look, it's it's bad, it's season yeah. over because th- there isn't that element. You're never going to have that element of surprise this season of, of suddenly <laughs> throwing them back in the team. But yeah, it's, it's a very strange one that he doesn't seem to want to give too much away about injuries with you. You've always just got to try and uh, get something but yeah he's so hard to read as well I mean I asked him about injuries on Thursday and um, you know he'd said something about how they were waiting as long as possible on on Hayden and Deal well we knew Lucas Engel was injured as well so my immediate thought was oh does that mean it's bad news for Lucas because he hadn't mentioned Lucas and then of the three Lucas was the one who was back at the weekend and on the bench so (laughs) it's it's not easy to read him Have you got a feel for with all this cloak and dagger stuff that's going on in press conferences have you got a feel for any of the players who might be coming back pretty soon it's i mean riley mcgree's the one um you know where he's he has spoken a little bit in more detail about riley and, and the nature of the injury in the bottom of the foot and you know, by all accounts I've, I've i've seen people discussing having the injury themselves and um it's the 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 tend to be seeing exactly what Michael Carrick said um, Monday, wasn't it? Before the uh, 
before yeah. the last game. And, um, he, he, he kind of discussed how you know Riley's making good progress with it, but it's a, the type of injury where he can feel great for a week, and then all of a sudden it starts to flare up again. It's the it's the plant it's the planter issue with the bottom of the foot, and it's not an injury I've ever had myself. But I've seen people discussing it online and and, and seeing very similar that. You know, it, it could be a really painful one that that comes and goes very quickly, or stays for a long time. So, you know, with the Riley one, I understand he has been a bit. You know, he's explained that one a bit more in terms of the fact that um, he, he's making good progress, but it, it it is one that kind of comes with setbacks sometimes. So, I can understand with that one why he maybe can't give an exact time frame. We uh, we even went as far as getting the northeast footy brekkie uh, physio on board to find out more about plantar fasciitis yep. and that other one I can't Don't pronounce. Him. Yeah, yeah, and and, and and sadly we were we were left scratching our heads because it was exactly the same. It's like oh, you can't put a time limit on it. It's like oh, come on. But yeah, oh god. We could talk all morning about yeah. the borough with you, Craig. But we have got two other uh, hosts here. Ted, obviously the Mackham. Uh, he, I think he's got a question about how we're going to yeah, get Neo over for a game. Morning, mate. Thanks for joining us. Uh, just, a, just a one on um, what does Steve Gibson do on, uh, like in the transfer window? You're looking at the situation with the defenders. Obviously, you know you're down to bare bones. Paddy McNair, possibly safe to say, you know he's coming to the end of a contract with the Borough now. I'd be surprised to see him there next season. Let's put it that way. Do you think Steve Gibson goes out and spends and you know gets some quality? defenders in given that the the league position is suggesting it's going to be playoffs at best this season or do you think it's going to be loan deals or what what does steve gibson do is he going to take a big gamble and actually go and spend some money on it i think it'll be interesting to see how that how the approach i think kieran scott was obviously recently doing an interview with uh with bbc tees and you know he kind of he interestingly hinted at that and um and said, you know, you want value for money in the January transfer window, then the English market isn't really the market to look at. If you want to sign yeah. permanently, he said, you know, if you look towards foreign markets, you tend to find that you can get better deals in January in the foreign markets. Um, so I think, you know, he basically gave the game away there that they're obviously looking at those kind of markets. And, and we saw that in the summer as well. Obviously, they, they signed quite a few players uh, from foreign markets. But, you know, as we saw in the summer, the issue with that is they tend to need a little bit of time to come in and adapt, particularly if they've never played in England before. Because, yeah, it's such a different kind of league, isn't it? Different tempo and different physicality and whatnot. Absolutely. So, yeah. I think, um, you know, the the loan option is always there. And I think one thing Middlesbrough wanted to move away from this season was too many loans. And obviously last season there were six. And I think you would see at least five of them were were important players for them last season. So, you know, that led to a summer where 12 players were needed. There's, there's two this season. And, you know, one of them in Sam Greenwood has a purchase option attached to it. Another one in, in Lewis O'Brien. I know he's been injured most of the season, but... You know, there's hope he'll be back playing at some point in the new year. And I think you look at his situation at Nottingham Forest and there's potential, I think, to turn that one into a permanent deal as well. So yeah, I think I particularly agree. because you know you know Lenahan and Smith are out for the season. So they're going to be back available here at some point, hopefully, you know, in the summer pre season to build awards next season. I think in, in that circumstance looking at the loan market isn't, you know, isn't kind of against, 
your your kind of principles, your new kind of way of working, of wanting to limit the the, the number of loans because you know we do know the January market is a difficult market. People oh. tend to to only go look at the kind of plug holes in the squad, and and you know selling clubs know that's the case, and you know you can add a bit of value on them because you know that that club is desperate. I mean, we're already seeing defenders being linked to Middlesbrough. Um, mm. And you look at that and you immediately think, well, agents are, are working hard at this point because, you know, people <laughs> know Middlesbrough are desperate for defenders. Yeah. Uh, Craig, Steve, yeah, got to ask you because we go back a long way, um, Hi, obviously, with, with, with boxing, mate. And, um, you know, it, next year we've got the big one, Alexander Uzek against uh, Tyson Fury. I just want to know your thoughts on that, mate. I mean, it's 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 the ultimate, isn't it? It's all the belts are on the line. Who do you think is going to win that one, Craig? First question is, will it go ahead? Will it actually happen? Yeah, well, that's always the worry with boxing, isn't it? You you never know until they're actually stood there in the ring. But uh, lovely to hear from you, by the way, Steve, as well. It's been a, been a little while. But yeah, I mean... It, it's it's just great to see, isn't it? I mean, it's 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 rare now when you often see in boxing over over recent years, ten years or so, where you know the biggest fight to make in boxing, if it has been made, it's been made a bit too late. And uh, you know, we got Errol Spence and Terence Crawford recently, but you could argue even that was a bit too late because of everything Errol Spence had gone through. So with his with his car crash and whatnot, and. Um, and injuries, but it feels like Fury and Usyk are going to meet at the right time, and you know when both of them are at the very top of the game. Um, I know Fury wasn't brilliant in his last fight against Ngannou, but I think you look at that and think he probably didn't prepare for that right. He probably underestimated Ngannou. I definitely don't think he does that for Usyk. In, ter- in terms of how I think that one will go, I, it's. It, it's it's really hard. It is the very definition of a 50-50 boxing fight, but I just think with that one, because Fury has that height and reach advantage and he does move so well, which is, you know, with Usyk coming into the heavyweights from the cruiserweights, we've often looked at it as, can he handle the power? And he's always handled the power, but he's always largely been in front of men who, who kind of want to put the fight on him and want to use the height and reach, whereas I think Fury boxes in that rather than does that and he you know he has got that height and reach advantage but he moves so much better than any other heavyweights I think that that's a factor and I think Fury wins that fight yeah me too mate me too but uh, yeah it's um, it, it's a big one I hope it goes ahead I can understand I can understand some people are, you know thinking that it might not but um, yeah I, I'd, I'd love to see that and then potentially Anthony Joshua might get a shot at the uh, at the titles against Fury before Red uh, before Tyson Fury retires, that would be great. It would be fantastic. What a massive fight! I mean, the only the only issue is you'd you'd imagine it's probably going to have to be in Saudi Arabia again, isn't it? But I mean, if if you could get that fight on in Britain, I mean, wow, that would be. We talk about Frotch Gross as a brilliant kind of podcast documentary out reliving that now, isn't there? And uh, yeah. you know, that was an epic night at Wembley, eighty thousand. But wow, the scale of an Anthony Joshua Tyson Fury fight in Britain, wow, that would be amazing. And another big event, Sunderland bad. versus Newcastle, Craig. What a cup draw. <laughs> yeah, could you, I couldn't believe when I saw that was drawn. Oh, I mean, wow, it's, uh, <laughs> Me neither. It's, uh, it's been quite a few years now, really, since they've played each other, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, it even longer, si- and whatnot, even but... longer since the 1-1, one, one, Craig. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's an interesting one from from a Sunderland point of view. I mean, you go in and you you've got to expect Newcastle to win, given where the two teams are oh, now, totally. haven't you? But from a Sunderland yeah. point of view, I know it's a derby, and you're never going to want to lose to Newcastle, but there's no pressure on them in that one now, really, is there? Because nobody should expect them to win. No, that's it. It's I, I think we're going into that one. Uh, much loved underdogs. <laughs> I still yeah. think Borough Villa's a bigger game. I don't know what they're going on about. It's a massive get game. Away. Yeah, I don't, I don't get. Yeah, they, yeah, I don't. I don't get it. I don't get it. I need to get over for the Villa game. I've heard to, you know to settle the score. I've there. Had bigger matches so. at the Tylery. Yay! <laughs> Brilliant stuff, Craig. Thanks for your time this morning, mate. Thank you so much for coming on, Craig. I really yes, appreciate Craig. it, mate. It's Thanks, always great man. to talk Pleasure, to you. pleasure, fellas. Have a fantastic so. morning, mate. Brilliant stuff, Craig Johns. Uh, Absolutely great. Great wordsmith. Great Absolutely wordsmith. Great. Absolutely. Right, He's fellas. incredible. He does like, love all the things, love all the things he has to say, and obviously good little insight there into what, you know, all the, the injury crisis that Borough have. Oh, you know what I mean? We hear it from yeah. most clubs have got injuries, but, you know, Middlesbrough really are hitting some hitting some dire straits now, and it's um, yeah, starting to look a bit scary. Yeah, it is indeed. Anyway, we're after 8.30. It's time for a little bit of sports news, and then we'll be right back on the North East Footy Breakfast. Together across the North East. Well, you heard it there, lads, you know, but your balls are travelling too far these days. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not seeing a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get back onto something. We did get cut short. Actually, just before you do, mate, there's... um, Danny sent us, uh, and he's a Newcastle fan, has sent us a message. He goes, uh, basically, what do you Borough lads think of this? He sent us a a copy of the tweet that was doing the rounds over the weekend about uh, Steve Gibson uh, doing a bit of a, yeah. a debt for equity swap and um, mm. and writing off uh, 100, nearly 107 million quids worth of yeah. of loan debt. So um, uh, yeah. there's one to log, log into the old uh, memory banks and uh, we'll come back to that one as soon as Danny sent it in. Yeah. It was an incredible get gesture. We were going to talk about that tomorrow. I mean, we need we need topics first of the week. We can't get it all done in one day. But it's a, no, you're absolutely right. We will talk about that uh, in the next coming days because it's an amazing uh, thing for Steve Gibson just to do to write the debt off. But I did want to give more time to Ted the Mackham. Otherwise, he will be upset, and we know he's got a loud trumpet. Uh, I needed to talk to you <laughs> about obviously it. Mogger. <laughs> I, I need to talk to you about Mogger uh, in two aspects for me, Ted. I, I spoke to you obviously in our in our little group that we don't talk about offline, uh, and making a joke that you know come the Newcastle FA Cup tie that maybe Mogger's not there in charge. Obviously, you know we've seen the rumours starting to circulate. We've seen the Sunderland fans. You know, probably the far left, if you will, uh, starting to jump on Mogger's back. Uh, but Mogger's probably the only one with the experience to go with an FA Cup tie uh, against Newcastle, you know, with the, with the likes of uh, history he's got. But I guess, you know, for me, do you still think that Mogger's still the right man for you, uh, for your personal point of view? And do you think that it's going? To, he's going to be given January to be able to fix up this squad? Or is it a case of... Like, kind of like the borough in terms of where Kieran Scott's just recruiting who he wants and Michael Carrick has to get on with it. It's a strange one because the setup for us is is obviously, you know, the, the scouting network will go and bring the players to uh, Christian Speakman. Um, Speakman will obviously meet with Mowbray and kind of, you know, between them agree on what they can logistically and, and feasibly sign for the club. And to be honest, at the minute, they get a lot of it right absolutely they do get a lot of it right but in terms of the the striking situation it's horribly wrong um 
And Mowbray does sound down. We, we've, we've discussed that. He sounds very sort of dejected at this moment in time. Same comments like, you know, the the strikers aren't ready for championship football. That's a dangerous game to start and play because, you know, it, let's let's take the derby out of the, the equation just for a second. That aside, you, you're talking about like sort of those words get repeated in front of the, the players. Now, if I'm a young lad who's trying, you know, absolutely not going to be plug out to try and get a goal, the, the, the likes of Rusin obviously is, you know, absolutely putting shifts in and it's just not happening. And it's, to be honest, it's more about the service that they're not getting. We mentioned about chance chance creation with Jack Clark. Yes, he is creating chances. Yes, he's took his 10 goals well. Four of them have been penalties, but he's took his goals well. But his his creation isn't all isn't always the best. And, and, and I've got to be honest about that. He's playing these lazy sort of passes along the deck. Um, and it's it's kind of, it's not happening. That's what, you need to be fizzing balls across the box. And we were doing that. We were doing that when we had Ross Stewart. We, you know, like sort of, you know, flushing them at head height, shoulder height. Get the ball into the box at pace. Not these like lazy little laybacks and trying to walk it in. We're not Arsenal from 15 years ago. You know, we're not even Arsenal when they were poor. Um, we need to stop doing that we need to be much more direct we need to pick up the pace and I just wonder about uh, Mowbray just doesn't sound I don't want to say this the wrong way but he doesn't sound motivated at this moment in time he sounds very dejected and and it's it's getting worse as the season's going on. I I really like Tony Mowbray. I think he's fantastic for us. I think the way he gets the, you know the, the the performances that he has done out of a, such a young squad. But now's the time where they either need to to back him and give him the tools to 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 create the perfect team it, you know that he wants to play, or they need to, they need to change things around and say no. Well, you know you're making unhelpful comments like that. It, there's got to be a bit of give and take somewhere. Um, you know, we, we were talking about this on 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 Saturday after the game, me and a, me and a couple of friends, where the same. Well, who do you get in if you get rid of Mowbray? Um, and to be honest, the, the one who could be available would be would be Heckenbottom, um, because let's face it, I think after mm, Christmas, true, and, and after his comments about Sheffield United as well. He could actually be getting shown the door rather shortly as well. He's an ex-Sunderland mm-hmm. player as well, believe it or not. He, he was on the books as a young man. Uh, I don't think he ever played for us. He might have played a cup game or something like that. But somebody like Heckenbottom, who you know did very, very well with Sheffield United, could be the man to come in. But, yeah, so, something needs to, something needs to change with, with Mowbray. I think, personally, I would much rather keep Mowbray and back him with, with a good quality striker. You know who I want us to sign. I've, I've mentioned it many, many times. I think yeah. Kiefer Moore would get a hat full in there. But, but, Jack Clark and Paddy Roberts need to up their game with the delivery side of it. Mm. Steve, I guess same question for you, mate, uh, in terms of you got the, the FA Cup draw now. Are you thinking... It'll be a Sunderland team that's got Mogger in charge, or do you think after obviously being part of Northeast Brecky Show, seeing the runners' results, the striker issue that they've got, uh, that it might be a different managed Sunderland team come the FA Cup draw? I know he's been under the weather, Mogger, hasn't he? With you know, with with the, he has with the, yeah. the virus, infection. so so it, it's sometimes difficult to read somebody when they're you know when when they're not well, but. Yeah, he's he, he does sound down in the in these last couple of uh, interviews, and you know, not to the point, not to the point of uh, wanting to chuck it, but I I, I don't know. Um, the Sunderland owners, 
certainly look at it from a financial point of view, don't you? When you sack a manager, it costs you money. Um, you've got to you've got to look at the situation and say, well, can he get us? Can he get us to where we want to be? And I guess the Christmas fixtures will tell it will tell their own story. Um, mm-hmm. I, Sunderland aren't a crisis point yet, certainly not. But you know, the the you know they haven't had a good couple of weeks, and the the they need to get back on track. Um, they don't want to get they don't want to get isolated from that kind of playoff pack. So. Yeah, Christmas is gonna Christmas is gonna be telling. I think ultimately, from their point of view, um, you know, depending on how they do over the Christmas period, depends on on whether Mogger's there for the for the you know for the big one in January. But it's um, it's 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 a tough time for Mogger, but he is championship quality. He's a great manager, and given the right back and given the right kind of money, uh, given you know given given you know the purse strings to play with, Mogger can get Sunderland out of that division. And you know he's 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 got pedigree at that level, so I don't mm. think it's going to be an easy decision if he does go. Um, and 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 he's and he's a professional. He's a he's a professional in 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 the sense that if he feels he can't take the club any further, I think he would he would be one of those managers who would who would you know would say I'm I'm off. But it's it's an interesting time. It's an interesting time because we we've seen it go backwards and forwards. Sunderland Middlesbrough, Sunderland Middlesbrough over the last few weeks on this show, you know you know and you know mind the gap and all that. You guys. Say, but it's yeah yeah it's it, it's so tight at the moment um because you know middles middlesbrough are, middlesbrough are just the same they're in the same position I, I would say you know that neither one of them is making a run for the playoffs at this moment in time uh, but two three results can change that so yeah it's going to be interesting but do i think he'd be in charge for when we play the match i still think i still think mogger will be there i hope so, mm. I, so, hope yeah, so. yeah I, I hope so too obviously mogger it was great, and you know we love Mogger on the show. So uh, yeah, we hope so. We hope that Mogger's not out of a job, and I hope that you know Sunderland can find you know their ways to put up a good performance, you know, in that FA Cup, and um, you know get some goals. And um, you know they're, they're still you know grinding out the results at the moment. Obviously, a few against you at the moment, but uh, mm-hmm. Sunderland's still right up there in the in where you want to be around this time of year, anyway. Uh, we got another special guest, guys, coming on. Melly Barnes will be on the show very shortly. He's on. Uh, he's on. Man United. He's on right now. He's, he's on, on right now. He's well, we'll on right now. Let's chat to Melly Barnes. Let's chat to Melly. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Northeast Breaking Show, Nelly. Melly. Hope you had a fantastic morning, mate, and the uh, snow's not causing you any drama this morning. Uh, talk to us about the weekend, mate, because we got a very happy, yeah, hence hungover Steve Wraith in the studio today. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Christ, man, I can't get over it. Like, we're going away to Everton and we perform like that. We're going to Galatasaray and we played well despite getting the draw and then they just didn't show up in Newcastle. I don't know if they've just, they should have maybe just stayed at the airport when the flight was cancelled because it would have had more effect, to be honest with you. <laughs> Melly, that was the most one-sided Newcastle-Manchester game I have seen for a long time. That was as good as the 5-0 without the goals. And it was it was one of those games where Newcastle turned up again and, and just, you know, put the, uh, Manchester United seem to have issues, Melly. That's the problem, I think. You, you know, you, we're seeing all of these players coming out against against Ten Hag. He's, he's, there's something wrong in that dressing room, Melly. There's no doubt about it. Well, I mean, you, you can look at him further than Rashford. You know, like, I think Roy Keane and um, Paul Scholes have summed it up perfectly. Like, you know, he's not running back. He's not... He, his body language is, is quite obvious for everybody to see that he's not interested. But when he, when he turns up, he's absolutely unplayable. You know, like... But Livermento, the first half, I think he was in four or five times. Surely after the first or second time, you're looking and thinking, I'm going to have to start tracking back here. 
with the Divins. There's just, there's <laughs> n- there's nothing there. And you just, honestly, mate, it's so frustrating. I, I can't tell you how bad you know. Like like I say, consistency is key in the Premier League. It doesn't matter if you're bottom of the league or top of the league. If you've got consistency, you'll pick up points. You'll pick up more points, obviously, if you're a better team. But Manchester United have not got any consistency. The only consistency that they do have, and I, I, I'll never question them, and I'll never want them out, Ten Hag, but it's consistently playing bad players. Like, you, you, you're bringing a Yuffie, you bring Manu in. You can't, not, anybody on this panel today can tell me that Manu, in his, in his three games that he's played for United, has put a foot wrong because he hasn't. Mm. Even when we got absolutely annihilated off Newcastle on Saturday night, Manu, Harry Maguire, and probably Ganacho were the standout players for me, like who didn't really do a lot wrong. Um, and that's a youngin who wants to play for the badge. You know, that was Marcus Rashford six years, seven years ago. But today he's getting his big contract and he doesn't want an that. And you've got to question why this guy's making more money in one week than most of us make in 20 years. Like one week. It's, it's, and you cannot motivate yourself for that. I just didn't get it. I do not get it. It's yeah, incredible it's, scenes, uh, Melly. Isn't it? It's right here from Australia, mate. And looking on from uh, Hi, from afar, obviously Australia covers uh, most of the Man United topics down here in Australia. And all we keep seeing, mate, is obviously the woes of of Man United. We see uh, the stadium uh, now having some concrete fall out of it. Uh, we see Ten Hag constantly questioning yeah. about his job. We see the questioning around Onana, the goalkeeper that you brought in to replace the Hayer as well. Um, I mean, is it is it for you the worst time that you've experienced as a Man United fan? Absolutely not, mate. No, I mean, I, I personally believe, like I said, I would never want him out because I've, I don't think we're too far away. He manages young players very, very well, very well. But when it comes to these overpaid egos, he just doesn't know how to deal with them. He's tried. He got rid of Ronaldo. He um, he sanctioned Sancho, and it looks like he's probably going to leave. Um, but with Marcus Rashford and Bruno Fernandes, like Bruno's trying to play in ten different positions when he plays, instead of just being the you know the, the number ten where he's really effective. He's playing left back, right back, centre back, centre mid, left mid, right mid, centre forward. He's trying to do everything. But if you're a player, you need to know that your number ten's there to be able to give him the ball. You know, and the Divins, the Divins are where to look for Bruno. Rashford, you know, like he's not tracking back. It's not Eric Ten Hag. I don't believe it. I just believe that he's he's having a problem with, like, Louis van Gaal had, Jose Mourinho had, Oli had, and Ralph Ragnick had. When these players have had enough, they will they will drop tools and they'll make sure you get sacked. And that's the way that it's looking at the minute. Like, it looks like that's what they're trying to do because the same team played against Everton were absolutely annihilated them. And then a week later... They come up to Newcastle. I mean, let's 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 put it in perspective here. Like they had to travel up by coach, boo hoo. But so did three thousand <laughs> fans. You know, like and then the mm-hmm. next day they're going back to work probably early in the morning. Yeah, Them exactly. fans that were there, I would probably say eighty percent of those fans that were there were at Galatasaray on the Wednesday night and were also at Everton the week before. Now they're not making four hundred grand a week, you know, but they're, they're still finding ways to to to, to go into these games to support the team and you've got players who aren't even trying it isn't good enough and you can't blame the manager once them players get on that field it's up to them they need to be able to like play for you know like make themselves proud the, the family proud the team proud the fans proud but they're not they're not doing it 
Melly, it would never mm. have this 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 ego power that's in the dressing room from the superstars would never have happened with Fergie. Now, a lot of people say the game's yeah. changed and it can't. It, you know, you, you can't manage like that anymore. But obviously, Ten Hag's struggling with it. Uh, what is what is he yeah. missing? What is he missing that Fergie had? Oh, that's a good question. That to be fair, like it's. Um, I just think Fergie like nipped it in the bud as soon as he could see anything happening, and it doesn't matter how big you were, like. David Beckham, you know, like he messed up, he, he got sold. Mm. He, he didn't mess about, and he was one of our biggest names. And fans just had to take it on the cheek. I think now, because obviously the Glazers are the Glazers are in, in charge at the top, that wouldn't be allowed. You know, like we couldn't just sell Marcus Rashford as soon as he like put a foot wrong because he's worth so much to the club. If you go into the Manchester United store on a match day. You know, and you're going around to the, the shirt print and still, you know, Rashford's everybody's favourite. And as long as he's selling shirts, they will not sell him because he's generating money. So I think that's the massive difference because David Gill had Alex Ferguson's back. Mm. Whereas now they haven't got the manager's back. They're looking at the bank balance and they're saying, well, nah, you'll not be selling him in a hurry. Like, so I think that's the main difference, to be honest. But honestly, obviously, nobody will ever replace Alex Ferguson. He was the greatest ever, in my mm-hmm. opinion. And you say, like, the game's changed. Has it changed? Or is it just the money that's changed? I mean, you know, like, we brought in Andy Cole. It was the Shearer era, the 15 million when Fergie was in it. The, the money was there, mm. but he just managed it properly. I mean, we could probably do, do ourselves a favour and, like, have a look at the German League and how they operate you know like it doesn't matter if you're a superstar until you're a certain age you'll still only get three or four thousand uh, pound a week you know so maybe we could be doing that instead of giving 19 year olds like half a million pound a week potentially right. that mm. could that could help ted did you mm. have a question interesting mate? times i did i melly it's ted here mate um the, the resident map um, right, um, we, we mentioned it a little bit earlier on as well um the, the thing that i've noticed about man united and i used to love watching the champions league nights as well it's it's a question of leadership on the pitch. Then th- there was leaders all over that pitch when when Man United were in their pomp. You know the Steve Bruce's, the Gary Pallisters, Irwin, Keane. Everyone was a potential captain, and I just don't think Ten Hag has his representative on the pitch. I don't think he's got a player who has the manager's back. Would you agree with that? I agree with you one hundred percent, mate. Our mayor, I think Bruno was probably the nearest that he had. Because he was the kind of guy, because he looks so busy every game, like he, he was, he's probably the man that you go to. If it was me, and I would probably get slated for this, I, I would probably have went with Scott McTominay because Scott's come up through the ranks. He's Man United through and through. He loves the club. He, he's all about the club. He knows the the cleaners' names. He knows the uh, the chefs' names. He knows everything about the club. He's got time for the fans. I probably would have went to Scott McTominay. He's a decent player. He's very similar to Sean Longstaff from Newcastle. You know, like he just, Sean bleeds black and white. Scott bleeds red and white. Instead, he's wanted to take the captaincy off Harry Maguire, which I thought was the right decision. Although I love Harry and I'm pleased that he's turned it around now because it's proven that if if you put a bit of confidence in a player, then you'll get the rewards back in these displays. And that's exactly what he's done. Um, but I just think the captaincy was too much of a burden for him. So he had that as well as having to perform yeah. and then the scrutinies on him. At Manchester United, I've said this over and over and I stand by it. Like, no disrespect to any other club, but if you have a bad game for a different club, 
then you're not getting scrutinised half as much as you are if you have a bad game for Manchester United. Still, like after over a decade since we won the Premier League, they're still the most talked about club on social medias and in the press. So everything's scrutinised. So to be a captain of Manchester United, you need to have tough skin and you need to be a leader. And, and, we, haven't, and we haven't really got one apart from Scott McTominay. Like you say, you know, like Steve Bruce, you could have put the captain's armband on any one of them 11 players back in the day. 100%. And they would have stepped up to the plate. Now, like you say, you're struggling to find one, you know. So I think personally what needs to happen in Manchester United is there needs to be a clear out and I would sack all the players before I sack another manager well I'm not saying all the players but you know the majority of the players the ones who didn't want to be there because I'm telling you now there is thousands and thousands of people out there now who are good enough to play for Manchester United that will run to the end of the earth for Manchester United for £5,000 a week let alone £250,000 a week or £400,000 so get rid of them let them go and do it elsewhere let them you know like because they're just they're not performing bring in some some people who love the club and who want the club to do well and with the manager we've got and the philosophy he has even though people say that they don't know what his philosophy is I get it and I don't think we're far away from it but it's like you know I, I, it's hard to explain, you know, you're, you're going to work. If you're working with a team of eight lads every day, like painting a building or whatever, and you know they're not very good, then the good painter is going to go to the standard of the bad painters because he doesn't want his, you know what I mean? You're wasting your time. And it's the same with yeah. Manchester United. You, you might have three or four good players, but they're playing with players who don't want to be there and aren't putting the performance in, so they're thinking, well, what's the point? Melly, yeah. got to give you a, a, an opportunity just to plug your podcast, mate. You've gone into the world of YouTube podcasts. What's it called? And where can people find you? Uh, well, on YouTube, it's it's called Talking Turf, um, and it's just me and the lads. You know, and we're getting a few different kinds of people on. So we're going to have um, a local guy on who's um, he's a manager in Newcastle United under 11s, I think it is. But he's gone through the scouting systems, and he knows how hard it is to get to the top. So we're going to talk about junior football. We're going to potentially, I need to look into it, but have like a kid's show and get the kids' thoughts on today's um, Premier League and the players and stuff. We've got a few different things lined up. It's just for a bit of fun, you know. It's just a bit of crack. Um, so, I, it's called Talking To, and it's on YouTube. And I appreciate that, Steve. Thanks very much. Is it- can I just quickly um, tap into the, the draw, Newcastle and Sunderland? Yeah, go on, mate. Because that was that's absolute. I cannot believe that that's been drawn. You know, <laughs> know. absolutely yeah. amazing. The balls were warmed, absolutely obviously. Away, Somebody had warmed so the balls. Away. Yeah. But, 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 but you know what it is though. It, it doesn't get off form when it comes to derbies, unless it's Man United and Man City. In guarantee, City's going to beat Man United every time now. But derbies, derby, it doesn't matter if Sunderland's bottom of the Championship and Newcastle's top of the Premiership. When it comes to it, it, it form guns out the window. Absolutely. I mean, I, I don't think Sunderland's um, Newcastle's won one the last six, have they? We drew the last one, 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 one but their Sunderland won six in a row. Yeah, six yes, in a do. row. You know, so they've got that. They've got that edge. I mean, different players completely mind. So you know, that may go out the window. But hey, what a draw! And I was looking on my Facebook yesterday, and every single one of me fa- uh, friends who were Newcastle fans were buzzing. And that just can't tell you as much as they might hate each other. But they want them back in the Prem. You need your derby, don't you? Absolutely. Indeed. Indeed. Brilliant stuff, Melly. Appreciate your time this morning, mate, and safe journey to work. No worries. All right. All right. Take Take care, Melly. Have a great day. Uh, That's Melly, and we're rapidly eating into Daz's showtime, but he's sitting here. Good morning. Good morning, Jen. Sorry. Morning.
How are you, legend? Morning, Daz. Good to see you. Yeah, really how good, you thank you. How are you, how are you Steve? Are you all right? for the borough, mate. Hungover, mate. Slowly, slowly getting through it, though. Yeah, good, good. Well, um, I was due... Uh, you know how I brush shoulders with the stars, sort of? Yes. And I was yes. due to uh, to interview Suggs on Saturday night. Um, uh, Madness were playing at the Newcastle Arena. Um, so I get there, and then I get a message to say that he he can't um, do the interview. He's too busy and what have you. Yeah. Uh, but I managed to get to see them live. And <clears throat> when they came out, I could see why he wasn't available for an interview. Steve... I think uh, Suggs would give you a battle for the uh, for the beer. Um, <laughs> he was Hangover. he was dreadful. I mean, he by the end of the gig he could not stand. Right, he had to sit down oh to sing Lord. the last couple of songs. It was wow. Uh, oh, wow. I, I've never seen anything like it. It was. I mean, it, it was an embarrassment. You know, it, um, it's one of their Jeez. songs. But um, oh, was really yeah, was, I like to see what you did there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but seriously, it was. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm not sure he will actually remember playing Newcastle <laughs> on Saturday wow. night. Wow! So, wow! Uh, right. Shock. Yeah. <laughs> late for the news. Yeah. Late, yeah. late. Late. Eating it show. does a show. Yeah. Uh, for everything. Yeah, indeed, uh, fellas. Catch you tomorrow. Have a good one. Take care. See, See you tomorrow, tomorrow, boys. Have a good day. See you. Bye. Bye. From Yarm to Yibby, Harrington to Horsley Hill, Jingle, Jingle, Small Jingle, Well to Silverlink, the Northeast Footy Breakfast, Jingle with Roy, Steve, and Ted. Right across the northeast, the red, the tune, and the.